I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Patricia Schultz, author of Why We Travel, A Hundred Reasons to See the World. Pairing beautiful color photos with pearls of wisdom, lists, and essential travel tips, Patricia Schultz focuses not only where or when to travel, but on how to travel and how travel enriches us and why we choose to do it. Leading with the idea that travel is food for the soul, she passionately and convincingly makes the case that it's one of the most richly rewarding experiences we can have, whether we travel near or far, in person or virtually. Alongside these evocative images are her own stories of some of her most rewarding trips, like going in search of the northern lights in Alaska's Arctic Circle. Uh, exploring Florence in her post-collegiate days and finding her most lasting memory of a trip to Zimbabwe in a classroom of five-year-olds. Uh, Patricia's the New York Times best-selling author of 1,000 Places to See Before You Die and has written for the Wall Street Journal, Condé Nast Traveler, Travel Weekly, and Fromer's and Burlitz Travel Guides. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Nice to have you on. Great to have you on. Oh, thank you. Nice to be had. Yes. <laughs> a great book. And I am a world traveler myself. So I was and, and really intrigued by the book and uh, uh, for all the reasons that you wrote the book. So I just want to read one of the quotes because you have these great quotes, you know, sort of sprinkled throughout the book. But one of them was Robert Louis Stevenson, travel for travel's sake. The great affair is to move. And that's exactly how I feel. Uh, but it's even more than that. So... We want to move, but it's how we move and what does travel do to us, and it, it transforms us and it changes us. And it not so much the place, but it's the experience. So c- can we start with that? Because I think that's... Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it was almost like, um, uh, you know, this during pandemic when we were suddenly blessed and it was a blessing that we had time in a way that we never had before you know, for all the wrong reasons, but regardless, <laughs> it was a very um, important time period that I, I hope we all used to our benefit more than just, you know, rearranging our closets and making Irish soda bread. Uh, so I, I realized that for all these years, I've been telling people where, where, where to go, go here, go there, a thousand places, top 10, you must see, you don't miss it, you know, but I had never really explored the notion of why we travel or why I was telling people they needed to travel because I just assumed, you know, we all knew. Um, we, we try to do as much of whatever brings us joy. And in my world, you know, I always knew what was at tippity-top of my list, and, and that was travel. But um, I thought, well, why is it so important to me, and why do I feel so exhilarated and why does you know it just make me want to spend every last dollar and free work day of my my life to you know go off and explore so and and then putting it between two covers is always a challenge because there's just so much to say and I wanted this book to say it very succinctly and to say it with photographs as well and I wanted the photography to be a really big part of it because nobody reads anymore. (laughs) You know, we read captions and we read headlines, but we love beautiful photography. And I think these photos kind of jump off the page at you and say, oh, yeah, I need to go there and this is why I need to go. So it's a very personal thing, right? I mean, travel is a very, you ask five different people, you get five different answers. But 
I, I feel that, you know, it, it does um, nurture me. It is food for the soul. Um, it does um, inspire me to keep going and keep, um, keep exploring to, you know, I've, I've seen how it opens my head and I'm more tolerant and more accepting and I'm as curious as I was early on in life. You see children, how curious you know, they it, are. And well, I, I want to stop you there because when you say you're more tolerant and, and uh, patient, uh, there were a lot of, I think, adjectives you used in the book. I find that's true when I go to all the places that I go to or travel to. But I was going to ask you this question. When I come home and I've had these experiences and it's transformed me and then I have friends who don't do that or they take a trip to Florida, perhaps, to a resort, but really don't, uh, and maybe that's the limit of their traveling, it it seeks to sometimes distance us because I've had all these experiences. I have been transformed. I've been educated. I've had all these things that have happened wherever I've gone. So does that happen to you? Has that or does that happen to you? I mean, Oh, yeah. I yeah. see very much the difference in character of people who, whose idea of travel is every Thanksgiving to Orlando with the grandkids. Yeah. There's a certain kind of, and not disparagingly, and not, I just see people who have a, a more compatible with mine worldview of other customs and traditions and other ways and how, you know, America is not the end all, how life does not begin and end within our confines. And I, I understand, I went to university in Washington, and I had a very huge international student population as part of our campus life. And that was one of my, you know, first impressions, that there's a whole world out there, and they don't necessarily do things the way that we do. And it eliminates this idea that our way is the only way, you know, and you do it the way we do, or it's the highway. Um, so, and the more you travel, the more it becomes just second nature, I think. And you're the visitor. You're the outsider. You're the trespasser. You're the one who's visiting their home that hopefully is doing so respectfully and with this sense of curiosity that, you know, we see in kids, but it seems to die over the years. I don't know. It's so tampered or so put aside or considered juvenile or, you know, innocently uh, unacceptable. I, I don't know, but I, I like to think that I'm still honing that curiosity that has me ask questions and has me, you know, acknowledge and see things that maybe you walk past at home or don't question at home and you just accept because it's the way. So um, I, I think it's an education that for all the money and effort spent in those four precious years back in academia, I think it's an education that's invaluable. Yeah, I think it helps put the United States, and you kind of alluded to that, in perspective, because we see each other in the context of the rest of the world, and and, and that's one that's a way of doing it, and I, I think that is important. You talk about in the book, but you know, that different... also stands. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, that, that also stands, and that's a, a great comment, it also stands true for, you know, people of other countries who travel, and they often travel far more than America. I mean, 65% of Americans do not have passports, and if you go to Australia, understandably, it's an island 
continent nation, but mm-hmm. you know it's like 110 percent of the Australians have travel, you know, um, have passports and travel far more than we ever do um, because it's a different culture, and that's always what they've done. And to go anywhere to another country, they need to get on a plane. They can't just drive to Singapore or drive to you know Japan. So, um, so I, I think that we just need to travel more often, and people who come to the United States from abroad will have that same epiphany because all of the um, the taxi driver films and you know the Martin Scorsese movies and the kind of dark interpretations of life in Chicago or Law and Order, you know they'll understand that America is far more than that because they will have seen it in the three dimensional and they will have seen it in the here and now. So wherever you're coming from and whatever destination you're immersing yourself in, I think that education, in, in addition to just being fun, right? I mean, it's yeah. not all about learning and insight and philosophical analysis. I mean, it's just fun. It's uplifting. It's exhilarating. It energizes you. You meet new people. You experience new foods. I mean, everything about it is just positive in my eyes. I know that things go wrong and people have bad experiences, but hey, that happens at home, too. Yeah, but you mentioned in the book when things go wrong. I think this is important when you're traveling, because when things go wrong, then things can go right. And maybe it didn't go the way you thought it was supposed to be, but it gives you an opportunity to do something else that you never expected. I mean, I was, as I'm reading your book, I'm thinking we had, we were in, uh, uh, Spain, and we were supposed to go to this fabulous restaurant, uh, the number one restaurant, and the guide was going to take us there, and he was all excited about it. But we went to Salvador Dali's museum, and we got caught up, and we were there the whole day, and we never were going to be able to make it to that restaurant. And the driver, the guide, he was so upset, and he, you know, <laughs> thought it was his fault. Anyway, he ended up, he wanted to do so, so he changed his, he, he decided that he would, it was, uh, Dolly's house had just opened up in Catechase, I think, three days previous to, you know, as our trip, and uh, got us, uh, gave us, or found an opportunity for us to go and visit it, Dolly's house in Catechase, where he had lived with his, oh, his cool. mistress. And it was great. I mean, that was a far better experience than eating at some restaurant, at least in our book. <laughs> um, so uh, it was, I thought of that, because when you, you do talk about that in the book, you know, um, things don't yeah, always Yeah, you go. really do have yeah. to go with the flow. I think yeah. in a way that, you know, you, you, when you travel, you book and you organize and you plan and you have your schedule and every moment is accounted for and things happen. You know, monkey wrenches are thrown into the machinery left, right, and center. And it depends on, you know, how much you, you kind of roll with it and believe, because I've just seen it happen way too often, as you did with your anecdote, you have to believe that things will turn out for the better. If not the better, then just differently. And different can always be better, and it usually is, especially when it adds a different dimension to your, your trip or your experience. So there, there are those silver linings that often turn out to be golden. That's how I came to see it over time. In fact, when something horrible happens, I mean, in the big picture, how horrible is a canceled flight or whatever? Yeah. You know, it's, it's far worse. Thing. But if something bad happens, I kind of step back and wait because it always turns into something pretty good. Yeah. You know, I don't, like, wait for the world to happen to me. I'm always very proactive. And, you know, you get on the phone or, on, you know, you call make a – so you, you need to, you know, step in and fix things. But when you do, 
you realize that, yeah, this is pretty cool that never would have happened if whatever had happened previously did not. So you've got to go with that and just expect that the universe has better plans for you in mind, <laughs> hopefully. And who you, who you travel with and how you travel, because I think that, uh, you mentioned this in the book as well, uh, traveling with some a compa- with whoever you travel with, a companion, uh, but or a friend, or, uh, but traveling alone adds a different dimension. Like trying, that's another experience, a totally different experience. Lots yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. amazing the number. It's amazing the number of people um, who have never traveled alone, but kind of refuse, like you know, staunchly. Um, because when you're that, you know, determined to never try something like that, but you love travel and you feel that you need to wait because your traveling companion, be it, you know, your daughter, your spouse, your next door neighbor, your college roommate, you know, the, the designated companion of choice is busy with work, doesn't have the money saved that you did, you know, in advance, been saving for seven years to make something happen, or the interest. A lot of people like Antarctica, no, it's too cold. I'd rather go to, you know, Tampa. So you, by by eliminating all of those possibilities, um, you wait until the cows come home and, you know, then you're 90 and what are you going to see? So um, there's so many ways to circumvent that situation. If you don't want to travel alone and sign up for a group, a lot of people think that, you know, traveling alone with a group is traveling alone. And it is for like the first 10 minutes. And then everybody's <laughs> your new best friend. You know, the guide is usually well chosen and knowledgeable and fun and proud of the destination that's usually his home that he's sharing with you. And the whole package is a real, you know, enlightenment for many people who have never traveled with group tours before. It's a real change from group tours of five or ten years ago or longer. And there are big groups of 40 and 50, and there are small groups of six, eight, ten people So there are different ways, you know, rather than staying home and watching the grass grow, there are different ways of getting out there. And if you're hesitant and you don't want to go to, you know, Israel or, um, you know, a a foreign language speaking destination anywhere in the world because you are not that familiar and it's not what something you're, you know, comfortable doing, then check out all the different groups that are available or, you know, consider a cruise. Um, and there are different cruises to choose from. Do you want a river cruise with 50 or 60 other people or one of these mega ships that's a floating city where you can be um, anonymous but still have everything organized and taken care of for you with the land excursions? You just show up downstairs at 9 every morning. You know, so there are different ways to make it happen still. So I travel alone, I travel with people, I travel alone alone, I travel alone with groups, I host a lot of groups, Um, and it depends a lot on the destination too. There are certain areas where maybe um, it's perceived as being not risky or dangerous, but just more comfortable to be in the company of somebody else, and with those times I travel with the group, and there are other times when it's like you know, easy peasy, because if you can travel in America alone for business or whatever, you can travel in Europe alone. It's um, quite easy to navigate and maneuver alone, whether you know the language 
or not. I, I think, but where you're going, like you said, you can travel to, you have to sort of assess where you feel comfortable, how you feel comfortable traveling. For I mean, I'm giving my own examples, but um, we went to Mongolia. Now, I did not want to go there by myself, so we did go with yeah. a group. Um, and for a lot of reasons, and a professor, you mentioned you uh, being at the in Washington as a professor, but yeah, so and that was that kind of a trip, a very different kind of a trip than traveling across the United States. I've tented across the United States. I've stayed at the best places across the. I've done different seeing the states in very different ways. That's an example, and that's easy yeah. to do in the United States, obviously. Um, why, yeah. Patricia? Why did you um, choose for the book the places that you chose? Uh, I mean, was there any particular reason? Just, uh, you know, you, I mean, there were, you did, a, uh, I think there were a lot of examples in Africa. Um, yeah, so can you, was there any reason? I'm, I'm sure there was. No, like, um, yeah. and if no? there, if um, there, well, first of all, Africa is a very big place. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a country I heard as recently as yesterday afternoon my next-door neighbor was uh, referring to it as a country, and I think it was just a slip of the tongue because she's pretty traveled and she should know. <laughs> but anyway, it's 55 countries, and so yeah. each country, you know, so is Africa repeated? Yes. Is Europe repeated? Yes. 44 countries and counting, or is South America? You know, so there are only seven continents, and there is a repetition to a degree. But what I tried to avoid was the repetition of the message or of the experience, or mm-hmm. of the anecdote. So what my goal was, was as I do with A Thousand Places, I try to create as broad a swath or um, variety or you know, uh, list of possibilities as is possible. Although I do get a little heavy-handed in uh, the U.S. or in Europe, just because those are the most densely populated, those are the most varied, those are the most visited, and those are the most logical destinations for much of America that get, you know, the lion's share of American tourism. But in why we traveled, the variety and diversity of the destinations and the message and everything hopefully is um, kind of well-rounded and touches upon different things and different experiences that happened in different places and um, the life lesson that you kind of walk away with as a result. So um, at the would end you of say the day... That, would you say that timing is everything? Because I've always felt that, you know, there are certain places that you may not be able to travel to at 90 or 80 or even 70. Like, do those places first at least get i mean you may they may be challenging physically challenging um and so that would be i, I don't know if that's part of it i mean i've always sort of felt that way i want to get in some of this stuff in my 20s and 30s and 40s that i may not be able to do in my 80s and 90s or even 70s um yeah no that's very much um for me it has always been foremost in my head um, ever since I think 
I was in my 30s. And, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you think, oh, I'll travel till I'm 90, and they're wheeling me around. And, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to. But, um, and I was traveling with my mother, who understandably was, you know, a few decades older than myself, and her friend, who was even older still. And we were in Florence, and she, you know, looked to a store window and fell off the curb, broke her ankle, and guess who ruined the trip for the yeah. rest of the group? <laughs> I mean, it was the second day in the... So um, I could have fallen off to the curb myself. It didn't mean that because she was old, it just meant that, you know, she was distracted and Italy is made up of cobblestones and uneven sidewalks. Yeah. But it did register to me that, you know, physicality and being fit is a very real element of travel and how far you can travel and how you... And so anyway, for my 50th, I decided time to go to, to Machu Picchu before, you know, my age gets the better of me. And there I met a woman who I remember like it was yesterday, and her name was Edith, and she was from Atlanta, and she um, had just gotten her first passport. It was her first time outside of America, and she was 90 years old, and she said to, and I want to be her when I'm, you know, 70, let alone 90, um, and I think we should all want to be her regardless of the age, because she had such vim and vigor and curiosity about the world at an age when, you know, most people are just uh, counting, you know, cutting coupons and and watching Jeopardy. Uh, (laughs) So she said, she left me with these two thoughts, and it's one of the anecdotes in the book, because it's one of the, you know, invaluable experiences that you bring with you in life. And she said, you know, dear, she was such a sweetheart. She was celebrating her 70th wedding anniversary. The husband was upstairs, and we met in the hotel lobby, and he was resting. She said, you know, dear, your knees have expiration dates, and you need to do the difficult places first. So even she understood that she had limitations and that she had to do, you know, start at the beginning with all of the more demanding places. And is Machu Picchu one of them? Yeah. Um, There are a number of places that you just inherently know you should do sooner rather than later. So you have to be practical about it as well, sure, and not wait until you're 50 or 60 to start being practical. But you, I'm thinking of it. I read about it in the book. Well, I was thinking when this 90-year-old or 90-plus in Machu Picchu, I mean, I was in Machu Picchu at age 25, and I couldn't breathe. I, 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 it took I 24 hours to acclimate myself. So as I'm reading the book, and I'm thinking, how did she ever forget about the knees? What about breathing? You know, you're, what, 14,000 feet? I know. Well, yeah. I was in the lobby, in fact, with an oxygen mask on my face because yeah. I was having a bad time with the, the, the altitude sickness. And I was very cocky because I thought, oh, I'm 50 going on 35. I don't need altitude pills. Well, guess what? I did. And (laughs) she was just fine. And her husband, not so much. So he was resting. And she, you know, was gung-ho. She was the first person out the door the next day on the train down to Machu Picchu because it's not as high as Cusco where we were staying. So she took the train with her husband who had, you know, more color in his face the next morning. (laughs) Yeah, it's not an easy trip. It's not. But boy, is it worth every effort. Absolutely. (laughs) We we only have a few minutes left and I just want to leave uh, just one comment because when I was I was looking I was saying what 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 places haven't I been to or experienced in the way that you describe in the book but I'm a walker and Hadrian's Wall you described you know you can walk what I don't know seventy nine miles or 
Yeah, from coast yeah. to coast. And I thought, I want to do that. <laughs> and I had not thought about it. And I was looking for a place to go to that I hadn't been. You know, we've been talking about the whole interview. But thank you, because I think I'm going to do that. Um, yeah, the countryside is just beautiful, beautiful. too. Yeah. It's really yeah. stunning, you know, as far as the eye can see. So, But I would also suggest, yeah. have you ever considered the Camino in northern Spain? That's another one, and that was in the book, too. Yeah, those two. Yeah. Yeah, and there are ways, which I did it. Some people think it's a cop-out, but, hey, my left knee is happy I chose to do this. There are agencies that will bring your luggage from one end to the next. So your obligation is just to walk those miles to get you to the next place where your luggage is waiting for you that evening. That's great. You know, I have to say, and all my friends are aware of this, I travel with an overnight, a weekend, an overnight bag, whether I'm going to Philadelphia or Dubai, the same thing. And I never have more than an yeah. overnight bag. Yeah. So, but you don't want to carry it with you for 10 No, I still don't want to carry it. You're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> Two minutes left. We have to get off the air. So tell me what, or tell the audience website or websites we can go to. So I have a website which um, includes all the information about my books, 1,000 Places to See Before You Die, and this new book, Why We Travel, and it's 1,000places.com, www.1,000places.com, and you can buy the book there, but it's also available in your local independent bookstore. They've had such a tough time over the pandemic and continue Mm. still. Uh, Many of them have done well, but it's uh, available pretty much everywhere. Um, I like to think, and um, I have a wonderful uh, publisher who makes sure it can be easily in the hands of everyone, and I do think it's uh, the perfect gift for yourself, and yeah. as well as, you know, somebody who's new to travel or has, you know, been around the block or somebody who maybe needs a little nudge yep. to get them off the, the couch. <laughs> yeah, it's good for both. Patricia Schultz, Why yeah. We Travel, 100 Reasons to See the World. Uh, get out there and buy the book. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Great information. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 